Recently, The Guardian, that venerable, somewhat left-wing newspaper in the UK... Somewhat left, and that they're fairly left-wing on some things, and yet a bit reactive <laughs> on others... Yes, uh, has been profiling the biggest and arguably the best slash worst polluters, uh, which all comes across as a bit conspiratorial. But warrantedly so. Mm. So we thought we'd take a look at their coverage and see what they've been seeing. Let us do the reading. You sit back and relax. Unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, at which point, stay alert. Indeed. Everyone, at all points in any case, should be watching the skies. Skies. Hmm. I thought you were going to go skis. Oh, no, I, I read what was on the script in front of me. But the Joker is watching the skis. Well, it is, but it's it, like it, it works on multiple levels. You work on multiple levels? <laughs> I do. Of your building? Uh, no, I work on a single level. You've, you've been burnt. You've been burnt. Yep, no, sorry. I, I'll take the burn and I like it. He's been burnt. Yep. Shall we crack straight into it? I have to clap. Because we've got a theme tune. Remember that whole theme tune thing, you, which you made? I did make it, but I... Yep, fine, yep, do the clap. Do another one, that wasn't good enough. <laughs> Better. <clears throat> and this sort of the actual clap that takes us into the theme. Yes. Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I am Josh Addison, sitting next to me as always, Dr. M. Rx Dentath. Dentath? This is... I don't know quite where that vowel sound came from. We're having some... Locution issues this episode. Possibly. And I don't you don't know. drink, and I haven't even started. No, so, so I don't know what the... Dr. Dentith, Dentith, to the French. Uh, but no, I, I should point out uh, children, which may be a relief to some of you, a disappointment to others, I don't know. Most of the feedback that I've seen of last week's episode has been suspiciously positive. I think possibly that just means everybody else went about five minutes in and then gave up. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. At any rate, schools are back in. I have no need to to child mind during the week, uh, so we're recording as usual. Uh, if you'd like another child-filled episode, I mean, let us know. We could do it again. But um... and remember, the best way to ensure that is to donate a large amount of money to our patron, so that patron and effectively can own our souls. Yeah. Well, no, so that we can homeschool your children. Ah, yes, even better. Yeah. Yep. Be I can all work the as their tutor. 24 hours a day mm. and i will be working 24 hours a day uh, the things they'll learn whispering secrets into the ears while they sleep whispering secrets into your ears whilst they sleep i assume you did that already uh so now what's this about a live show what one of our listeners would really like us to do a live show aka the way we did it for the book launch oh, back right. in 2014 i think that's an idea. Oh, it's I a nice it idea. to the patrons. One patron got back and said, yeah, just not between these periods. Uh, so we are thinking, rather conditionally, of doing a live show of some description. It'd be a small venue in Auckland. Yes, I can't imagine. I mean, we're. It'll, I suspect it'll be listeners. If you could bring along people who enjoy the podcast, so they can become listeners too, that'd be even better. So if you're interested in a live show, the podcast's Guide to the Conspiracy, why not get in contact? Mm. 
yes, it's an idea that, that at the moment is, is entirely embryonic, but who knows what it may develop into. You're embryonic. Not anymore. Yes, that's because of your mother. It's true. Yeah, it is. That's how, that's how human biology works. It's how your biology works. Yes. Let's get on with the rest of the episode. Indeed. Yes, so this week uh, we're talking about pollution. We're talking about the Guardian newspaper. We're talking, we're talking about, about the Guardian about the newspaper pollutants. reporting on pollution and yes, pollution. a series by the Guardian on the biggest and the best polluters. And by the biggest and the best, the biggest and the worst polluters. Mm. The Guardian did four days of coverage of polluters and the stuff behind why pollution continues to be a big issue even in the age of climate change. Or as the Guardian now refers to it, climate catastrophe. They've taken a hard line by going, talking about climate change makes it sound as if it's something which is, you know, a minor hurdle we can get over as opposed to an apocalypse which actually might wipe us out in 12 years. So they're talking about climate catastrophe now. And I notice global heating rather than global warming. Is that because warming sounds too nice? Well, and I mean, the whole the whole term global warming is a little bit contentious mm. in the literature and that the official term is anthropogenic climate change. It has been that term since the 1960s. Global warming was kind of coined by a, the media a a to, term, yeah, yes. to describe it. And of course, the problem with the notion of global warming, and actually would be a problem with the notion of global heating too, is that climate change means hotter summers, but also colder mm. winters. Yes, I mean, I assume people... I had just, just, just assumed off the top of my head that the reason why people started stressing climate change rather than global warming was because of all the annoying idiots saying, global warming, eh? It was really cold this winter. So much for global warming. <laughs> I freeze my nipples off. But How can it be global warming if my nipples fell off in the frozen tundra of Siberia? But I gather there's, there, there's a little bit more to the specific language choice. But anyway, yes, I, I can understand the motivations behind uh, making the language a little bit stronger. Now, um, this episode, uh, you did all the all the all the note writing for this one, which was quite quite nicely. Um, I mean, I, I obviously, you know, got it started. As, no, hang on, I didn't. No, I didn't at all. Started as well, yeah. but I came up with the idea to no, no, hang on, you did did that as well. But we can still we, we're here right. now. No, Josh, we've got credit, the notes. Credit's due. You made one note for the bonus content. I did, but we're here now. We've got the notes. I've looked through it. I've done the. Re I have not done the reading. <laughs> I had a feeling I'd be I'm completely kind of underprepared for this. You for, I'm for this absolutely. Uh, yeah. Right, so let me talk about the episode. I read the notes though. I did honestly read the notes, so did I you? know I did. No, that, that's not actually a lie. Good. Mm. So as I say, last week. So essentially, the... this episode is entirely my effort. I think we've established. Well, then, then lead on, my friend. Lead on. Um. No, I wouldn't dare. I wouldn't oh, no, dream no, of upstaging you. I wouldn't want to get behind the ideas person, the person who's responsible for the content, and preempt you on the very wise thing you're about to say. Well, apparently, um, Google has been blacking. Has been blacking. <laughs> now, see, I've lost the ability to speak, so you're just going to have to shoulder this one. Right. Google has been backing climate deniers. See, I got the L from the climate and accidentally said it too soon, turning back into black. That's so what you're going to say. Blacking, blacking climate deniers, probably. Deliers? Delilahs, yeah. Climate deliers, best kind. Are you sure you haven't been drinking? Yes, I've been drinking water, but we all wow. have my views on that. <clears throat> 
Yes, fish have sex in it, I mm. believe. So yeah, the Google backs climate deniers. See, see it. Go for it. So the Guardian has been doing this series on pollution, and many of their articles have a conspiratorial bent mm. because part of the project has been looking at why is it that big companies like Google and Facebook continue to give money to libertarian think tanks that promote the idea climate change is not occurring. And why is it that the big investment banks, who are meant to be aware of what's going on and are meant to have some ethical investment guidelines, continue to invest in big oil, fracking, and the like? And so The Guardian did four days of coverage, and I thought because of the conspiratorial content, it would be a really good thing to mine to find out exactly what the state of play is. Because when it comes to talking about climate change, people start talking about conspiracy theories. Whether that's a conspiracy theory that climate change isn't real and it's been foisted upon us by the Soviets who pretend to be greenies, or whether it's people saying climate change is real, but big companies are simply pretending it's an issue whilst actually not doing anything about it, or are operating from behind the scenes to undermine any movement to do anything to mitigate the climate crisis, there are conspiracy theories on both sides. And The Guardian's articles really do get to the heart of the catastrophe side, particularly the way in which they talk about why it is that Google, a company which ostensibly says climate change is occurring and needs to be stopped, keeps on taking money and giving money to right-wing causes. Hmm. Their, their motto isn't don't be evil anymore, is it? They've no, sort of they removed got rid that of that from their charter yeah. several years ago, mm. although they had been doing evil before then. So you have to give them props for going, actually, we've been breaking don't this rule for a while. Don't get being evil. Basically, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. What they, it's the unofficial motto mm. these days. Now, it should be said that, yeah, these conspiracy theories have been around for quite some time in the same way that... Um, it's been shown now, I believe, that the tobacco industry had proof that tobacco was a cause of cancer and yet sat on that and tried, while publicly claiming that that wasn't true at all. In the same way, it has been known for a long time that sort of your, your um, big oil and what have you has done studies which showed that global warming, climate change, whatever you want to call it, is a reality since like the 60s or 70s, haven't they? But have, have suppressed that and publicly stated yeah. exactly the opposite. Yeah. Yep. Yes, there is a long history of people like, say, BP or Shell having known for a very long time that their industry was responsible for as a contributing cause of anthropogenic climate change. And going, we're just going to sit on this information and not just sit on it, we're going to actively oppose anyone who says we know it's true. No, no, we don't know anything about what's in that file over there. In fact, we've never seen that file over there. That file over there does not exist. What, why are you talking about files, mm. basically? Whereas the Guardian stuff is more about the current state of play, is it? The... Yeah, mm. yeah. It's the, we all know there's a crisis. Why aren't we doing anything about it? Mm. Right, so is, was Google the main thrust of the reporting or is it just one of the standouts it's kind of the standout so the story we're about to talk about two stories here actually uh, refers to facebook as well because yeah. it turns out there's a really good reason why google is backing climate change deniers 
And it's not because, or at least not necessarily because, Google is denying climate change from behind the scenes. Is it because they have shares in petrochemical companies? No. Oh. Is it because of Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act? Yes, tell me about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Oh, no, I just completely made that num number and name off, up off the top of my head. Totally a fluke that I happened to get it right. You were looking at words on a screen as you said that, well, in was, your reading out things voice. It was it was just purely some sort of fluke, some sort of psychic aberration on my part. Really? Mm. That's quite. We should let's let's test that psychic aberration. Mm. What am I thinking now? You're thinking, haha, Josh's tablet is frozen again <laughs> at exactly the right moment to get him off the hook for having to say what happens next. What the hell was that? Oh, that was, was your the, camera falling was, out of yeah. the mount. Um, we can take a this momentary entire freaking <laughs> episode is falling to pieces. We can take a momentary break, although at the moment the camera is kind of focusing mm. at the wrong thing, and we'll return back to filming in just a moment. Hi, it's Dr. MR Extentith here, breaking into the podcast from after the podcast recording to apologize for the sound issue you are about to hear. You see, after our camera issue, it turns out that once we resumed filming, one of the lapel mics, my lapel mic, had stopped working. So what you'll be hearing is me being recorded on Josh's lapel mic, which will explain why the sound is less than adequate in places. Unfortunately, there really is nothing we can do to rescue that sound, so persevere or don't. It's your choice. It is your choice. Choose wisely. Yes, technology, you've failed us for the last time. Next episode will be produced by speaking down... Kineograph. Mm, telephones and, and string, uh, tin cans and strings between them. And a court sketch artist providing Im images live the mm. entire time. But until we get that set up, uh, we should continue talking about Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act. Which apparently, okay, I, I have notes in front of me, I shall read them now. Um, it basically meant that companies such as Google and Facebook um, can be shielded from the sorts of libel laws that do apply to newspapers. Basically, um, it was uh, established in the 1990s. I, at the time, the point was, oh, look at these these poor little startups, like poor little, little, little Google there. Look at Facebook with its rosy cheeks. Um, Facebook wasn't even born. Well, no, Facebook then. wasn't yeah. born back then. But basically, the, the, the sort of fledgling internet industry, they, they wanted to um, allow it to grow by basically offering them legal immunity to comments from to the companies for third-party comments. So Facebook and Google are not legally liable for things that people post on Facebook or to Google. They're treated um, as, as content distributors, not content publishers, which is something that came up a little bit in the whole sort of Christchurch, um, the, the Jacinda Ardern's Christchurch call and so on, uh, saying that's, you know, uh, that these companies have been avoiding consequences by claiming that they're simply they're simply the postman when it seems they're more like the distributor. But according to the law, they are just... Yeah, and this has become an issue because, as you might be aware, there are certain people on the right, particularly people in the Republican Party in the US, who think that Google is biased against them. Now, of course, at the moment, they've got no recourse towards this bias that Google and Facebook are said to express. 
because of Section 230. So people like Ted Cruz are talking about revoking Section 230 and able to, to bring Google and Facebook under the umbrella of publishers, at which point legal action can be taken against them if they feel there is bias in the presentation information on those platforms. Now, neither Google nor Facebook want to lose that special status under 230, and so what they've done is they've curried favour with libertarian-leaning think tanks who also think that revoking 230 would be the end of Western civilization. The problem is, these libertarian think tanks, which include the Competitive Enterprise Institute, uh, which launched the notorious Cooler Heads Coalition, the Cato Institute, and the like, are also the kind of institutions that have been going on for quite some time that climate change isn't real, and things aren't that bad, and frankly it's a leftist plot to destroy the world, and isn't it really just communism pretending to be environmentalism? Mm. And so Google will say, well look, you know, obviously we don't support everything that these guys are saying, but that doesn't change the fact that they are giving them a bunch of money. Yes, which is where the second report comes in. Because there's one thing to be seeking support from these libertarian think tanks. It's another thing to be giving them large sums of money. And, yeah, I mean, when you donate money to a thing like this, do you get to say, now you must only spend this money on fighting Section 230 of the Communications Decency Act? Don't want a cent of it going towards your wacky climate change thing. I don't really think it works out like that, does it? No, but unfortunately the presentation is kind of important here in that it might be the case that Google is sponsoring particular institutes like the Competitive Enterprise Institute, which is anti the Paris Accords and wants Trump to dismantle even more environmental protections. The State Policy Network, who's very anti Greta Thunberg and also claims the environment isn't getting worse, it's getting better. Uh, the American Conservative Union, which is Koch Brothers aligned, or I suppose now just Cochrane brother, yes. Uh, the American Enterprise Institute, which talks about climate alarmists, Americans for Tax Reform, which criticizes any company that supports climate action by claiming they just want corporate welfare. The Cato Institute, the MacArthur Center, another cockaligned. <laughs> yeah, it's going to keep saying that until the end I, of time. Uh, yeah, cockaligned think tank. The, Her the Heritage Foundation, which also claims the Paris Accords were supported by cosmopolitan elites and were part of Barack Obama's destructive legacy. Google's giving money to all of these particular groups, and might well be true that they're anti-Section 230. But the really big thing they're anti in a kind of public way is anyone who supports climate change. Mm. It's bad presentation. Is this a little bit like, um, who's the fella in New Zealand? Owen Glenn? Doesn't he give money to like all the political parties? Is, is it a case of Google just throws money at absolutely everyone who might support them and thereby ends up supporting a bunch of people who say dodgy stuff? I mean, it doesn't get them off the hook, no, obviously. No, but I mean, that is actually a plausible mm. story because I yeah. they also fund the ACLU, which is famously a free speech organisation, although actually I suppose... You could say because the ACLU has defended Nazis in the past, it's not quite clear they're left-wing. But yes, they mm. do give money to left-wing quarters as well, who also support free speech. Mm. 
Yes, so there, but essentially, yes, it does seem that their number one priority is making sure they're never held legally liable for stuff that gets posted on the networks, um, and and whether or not they're actually uh, giving money to the anti climate change movement is is a distant second. Although, of course, the response to that typically is, sure, your interest is in protecting your Section Two Thirty interests. You can give money to other organisations that also support you who aren't climate change mm. deniers at the same time yes exactly yeah they're, they're, they're just throwing they're just putting it about willy-nilly well they should be more selective mm. in their hot jandal fixations yes jandal yes you heard me jandal i heard you i don't know if i believe you okay so so that that was the big one that was google and 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 presumably facebook and the other folks uh, so that, that explains some of the enormous chunks of money going around, but um, th there's, there's a lot more enormous chunks of money to be accounted yes, for. Yes, to the point where they talk about how the world's top three asset managers oversee some, let me get the number right here, $300 billion fossil fuel investment funds. Right, so this is, so, so that's that, that amount of money is being actively invested in the fossil fuel industry. And or at least that, that amount is just being looked after by the top three. Presumably there's even more money still getting piled and piled and piled into these industries, which supposedly we want to start curtailing. And I have to remember, when we're talking about billions, we're talking about a very, very, very large number. You could have been born 400 years ago, earn $50,000 a day, and not be a billionaire. Mm. You could earn a dollar a second, you would be a millionaire in 11 days, you would be a billionaire in 33 years, 31 years. It's, yeah, the, the, the difference is not actually a thing the human brain is capable of comprehending, no. but nevertheless... No. We do, to repeat certain politicians, we do not need billionaires. We don't. We do not need them. No. Yes, I think his old, old old Bernie's been been throwing that one around a bit, yeah. hasn't he? And yeah. I think people have clarified. He's not saying Jeff Bezos shouldn't exist. He's saying Jeff Bezos just shouldn't have one hundred and twenty billion dollars. Something's gone wrong and with the system that a single person. Not saying that Jeff Bezos should not exist. Sorry, I've just got a twitch in my eye. Yes, are you blinking? Kill them, kill them all, kill them while they sleep in Morse code. I'm trying to <laughs> right. So. Yeah, the end of the sentences. Yeah, there we go. Jolly good. Yes, so I mean, the numbers are, are vast, in, in, incomprehensibly vast, and that seems to be awfully wrong, given that we're, you know, aren't we supposed to be getting away from fossil fuels some way, somehow? And the thing is, it's three investment bank companies that are doing it, and they've got possibly the worst names of all time. BlackRock? Vanguard and State Street. Now, they, State Street sounds like a eighties action film, mm. so I'll let that one pass. But BlackRock and Vanguard. You yeah. name your investment bank BlackRock or Vanguard. Sounds like the bad guys in a Bond film, or, or at the very least, a death metal band. Mm. Mm. We are BlackRock, and we have three hundred billion dollars to throw at you. Have you heard uh, Frankie Boyle and Glenn Wool's free? 
comedy bits. You should just assume if you ever mention a stand-up comedian who isn't Stuart Lee, I'm going to go very well. Uh, They tell it that Frankie Boyle. Look, look look it up. Frankie Boyle and Glenn Wool. They they have a bunch of basically just the two of them talking at each other and being funny that they put up for free on the internet. But at one point, Glenn Wool, who's this Canadian, I think he's UK based, but Canadian comedian, talks about how he got in a little bit of trouble because he was doing a corporate gig and this was in the middle of the global recession and everything, and he couldn't resist taking shots at the fact that this company had called itself Money Corp and started making various cracks about, does Superman ever come and fight your boss? But they apparently got in a bit of trouble for that. Anyway. Shouldn't, they shouldn't have called themselves Money Corp. Well, no, exactly. These companies should have a little bit of self-awareness, or maybe they do, and that's the problem. Yes, there is this worry that the people who name these companies are mustachioed villains. Mm. Who really are up to no good. Okay, so I guess the question is why? Why are people still investing so much money in the industry? Because since 2016, the companies that they manage, which are thermal, coal, oil and gas reserve holdings, have surged in price 34.8%. Well, shit. So there's a lot of money in it. Right, so... Which I, I guess at the end of the day in this whole thing, that's kind of the that, that's kind of the explanation for all of it. There's still a shitload of money. In fact, there's even more as things become more precious and things become more precarious because as industries shift to cleaner fuels, those that can't are desperate for that bit of oil wealth they need to continue. So invest heavily, increasing the price of the stock. Now. This bit, you, you've got a bit here in the notes. Am I reading this correctly? Um, $74 trillion? Yes, that's a real number. That's a real figure. And in fact, it's a slight fall from $74 trillion the year before. That was That's the money managed by these asset managers. I wasn't aware that was the size of the economy, to be quite honest. Yeah, that was one of those. Because, I mean, if you think a billion is large. A trillion is just... Yeah. It's bigger, basically. It's a lot bigger. It's, it's yeah. kind of so big that if you've just managed to grasp a billion, trying to grasp a trillion will make your head explode. Mm. So I'm not going to do that. Um, but returning to returning to conspiracy stuff, I guess, um, is, is it as simple as saying follow the money? Is it, you know, if, if you want to understand why this stuff is happening in, in contravention of what we think should be the sensible, um, right thing to do in the world? It is. It's follow the mon- money along with the notion that there's meant to be ethical investment clauses is not doing much work. Right. So even though these companies talk about the ethics of investment and investing in clean this and ethical investment and clean that, it turns out that because they're beholden to shareholders and they want to maximize return on the dollar, they maximize return on the dollar by going, well, we'll deal with the ethical implications later. Now, there'll always be a voice in the room, which I'll pretend is yours in this case. Sweet. Aren't they legally obliged to look after shareholder interests? Isn't that kind of how corporate law works? And the answer is no, actually. There is no maximization of profit built in as a legal requirement in these situations. It's just that that's often what shareholders expect, maximization of profits. The actual directors are not legally obliged to maximize those returns. They actually can make slightly different decisions. It turns out they don't, and the guidelines which are meant to 
keep them from making those maximizing decisions in these particular cases don't have much weight. Hmm. Okay, well, I'm getting more and more pessimistic uh, the more we talk about this stuff. Um, so we, is, there a, um, is there sort of a single thrust to the Guardian's reporting or is it just sort of a survey? We've talked about Google, we've talked about the ridiculous amounts of money being invested. Do they sort of title together at the end or is it just a broad survey of here's all the different ways? So the positive stuff we haven't reflected upon here are the ways they, the articles they wrote on how China's transforming their economy. So China is a major polluter. It's also an economy which is trying to move away from heavy set pollution to greener techno technologies with time, and they seem to be doing it quite successfully. Saudi Arabia is also doing a similar thing, especially given their history as an oil-producing nation. So there are positive stories to balance the negative ones. It's just that the positive stories don't really have much in the way of conspiracy around them. Right, well, fair enough. Um, and I see it also, um, as well as talking about your, your asset managers, the, the, the investment banks are into it as well. Um, I see we talk about uh, JP Morgan Chase um, has been giving, again, numbers numbers with billion on the end of it. Um, In this case, 75. Mm-hmm. Uh, to sectors like good, good old fracking. I didn't realize people still did that. I thought that had gone out of fashion. Fracking, Arctic oil, gas exploration. Um, JP Morgan has said it recognizes the complexity of climate change and is actively engaged with stakeholders on the issue. Well, that's Let's nice. Say we'll deal with it next year. Mm, mm. Next year we'll be dead. Um, and now apparently amongst your investors and your bankers and so on, there's fear of a Minsky moment. Oh, yes. Now, Josh, what is... Um, Actually, can you can you show people on the video what a Minsky moment looks like? Uh, no, because it, it it's the, the um, metaphor for it is basically arson. So I don't think I could show it on video without setting fire to the house right now. You could self-immolate right now. I could. No, not not going to happen. Sorry. So you put a special effect on you for that in the video. Uh, I don't know if I have. I don't know if my special effect suite is up to it. But um, so a Minsky moment. A Minsky moment um, is named after economist Hyman Minsky from Russia. Mm -hmm. um, so basically, apparently, he, he noted that bankers, traders, other financiers periodically play the role of arsonists, setting the entire economy ablaze. I assume this is in reference to things like the GFC of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. You think more end of the USSR. Ah. What happened at the end of the USSR? The financial man managers set things ablaze as they sold things off at low prices and made the economy collapse. Oh, I see. So they're worried that um, there, may, there, there may be some sort of tipping point where everybody's like, oh, we've got to get out of fossil fuels now, and suddenly the economy turns to crap as a whole, as, as everyone in the world starts panic selling. Yes, basically, mm. yeah. Well, we've got that to look forward to as well, I guess. Hooray! Before the climate destroys us all, the economy will collapse and we'll be living in a Mad Max situation before the seas boil away and we all just die of heat death. Right. Well, I think that's a good place to end the episode on. It is! Uh, in the bonus content, <laughs> listeners will get to hear about an exciting adventure in copy editing. Uh, those of you who follow me on Twitter may well be aware of what the story is about. We'll talk about the All Blacks, our favourite rugby team. Mm. I mean, they, they technically are. That's kind of like my, my favourite 
cement mixer brand or my favourite small appliance. But I mean, as far as rugby teams go, I guess I like the one from our country the best. I hate rugby and everyone who stands for, for it. But we're going to talk about a conspiracy theory involving them. An update on the Otatahi mosque shooting. And Trumpy, 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 Trumpy. Yeah, Trumpy, this is Trump. a lot of Trump news which we're going to rattle through. I think we need a new sting. We need a Trump sting. We just go Trumpy, Trump, 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 Trumpy, Trump, 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 Something nice and jolly to make the to, to take the edge off the annoying drudge of talking about Trump crap the for another thing, goddamn the greatest thing. Could it be the best thing you've ever heard? Yep. Still more Ernie from Sesame Street than Trump, but I, you've you've got the cadence right. I think you just need to work on your on your pitch. I'll work on your pitch mm. with my mallet. Pitchfork, come on, man! True, <laughs> um, sure, I should have said pitchfork. Uh, so anyway, I I think yeah, I um that's basically all we've got to say this week. I think um. I, I don't drink, but I think maybe I need to start after going to after reading through all of this and hearing about all of this. Um, d- uh, just just um, to circle back, does the Guardian have a, a do they come to a conclusion at the end of it all, or no. is it just a special feature with yeah, a bunch of stuff? Okay, feature. there is no. And here's the magic way to fix everything. Mm. It just ends like the earth, like is going everything, to end. like yes. everything ends, like this podcast ends. Um, right about sh- shortly, I think yes. Now, you've been listening to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy, starring Josh Addison and Dr. M. R. Extenter, which is written, researched, recorded, and produced by Josh and M. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Mikey Fluids and Conspiracism. Remember, remember, oh December, what a night! Wait, wait for that to finish before before we do the silence. You don't want that. You don't want. You don't want to have the if we, sound of police helicopters. Well, just... the thing is, if we if we remove the sound of police helicopters from the recording, then it's probably going to also cut out an awful lot of where we're speaking. But I mean, if, if if you remove a police helicopter sound from an audio that has no police helicopter sound in it, then you'll get inverse police helicopter sound which will presumably be the sound of like I, I don't know like a crime helicopter I'm not sure. <laughs> that was me doing a crime heli- helicopter obviously yes yeah, sorry I should have picked that up uh, from the start don't you just don't know your crime helicopters that's your problem one of many pro- problems I have with you then your your anti-water position sickening you're like the water boy of fluids Fluids, fluids everywhere. I don't know what a podcaster is. Mm. Would you please stop flying around here?
Oh, they're coming back because I, mm. I asked them to. Mm. Death Doctor Dentist, bad mouthing us. This will be great material to put at the very end of the podcast. Mm, yes. Do the microphone so you can pick up the police helicopter. Yeah, look, you can actually. Uh, oh, yeah, not, there's a little yeah. bit, a little bit. Yeah. Not so, but it's, it's actually more when we're because when the mics are more active when we're speaking, no. so you kind of see that there's what should be relatively blank mm. ends up being actually noisome. Right.